Podo. You're listening to Movers and Shakers, a podcast about living with Parkinson's. The show is generously sponsored by Boardwave, an exclusive European networking community for software CEOs. Boardwave is a passionate supporter of Cure Parkinson's. For more details on the charity's progress around research and its fundraising, please visit cureparkinsons.org.uk. Hello and uh, welcome to the second episode of Movers and Shakers, a podcast about Parkinson's. I'm Rory Catton-Jones in a Notting Hill pub with a bunch of people who meet here regularly for a drink, a laugh, let's be honest, more often a moan. So before we get started, who, who have we got here today? Well, I'm here. Who are you? I'm Jeremy Paxman. I'm here. Okay. I'm also here. I'm Mark Mardell. Nicholas Mostyn. Gillian Lacey-Solomon. And I'm Paul Mayhew, Archer, comedy writer. And we've got a plan this week, haven't we? We are going to talk about how we first learned that we'd got this extraordinary disease, although Paul tells us we're not necessarily allowed to call it a disease, yeah. that has brought us all together. Every person who's got this condition has a story about how they first learned about it. And a lot of them are shocking. Some of them are funny. Some of them make you want to beat your head against a wall. So who wants to start? Judge... I'm not supposed to call you judge. Your eminence. <laughs> no, no, Nicholas judge is good. There's been an edict from the Lord Chief Justice. You ought to call me judge. Okay. Yeah. Just call you judge. Yeah. What was the first sign for you? At the time, it was the increased incidence of the tremor. And I remember being on a holiday in 2019 with my children. I was on an island called Mykonos. And I remember my son saying to me, Dad, you've really got to get that tremor checked out. But with the benefit of hindsight, I now know that episodes of sleepwalking and very disturbed dreams were probably Parkinson. but I hadn't reasoned it to be Parkinson at the time. It was shortly after the uh, Mykonos holiday, I was referred to a neurologist who was told that it was suspected Parkinson's and it was diagnosed in May 20. So the holiday was in the summer of 19. About a year later, I was diagnosed. But it was tremor was what indicated to me that something was and seriously did, did wrong. You, did you know that, that it was Parkinson's before I didn't, you were told? No, but I'm, I'm not that sort of person. I, I sort of block out anything negative. I'm a very Pollyanna-ish person. That may be a, a disadvantageous way of living, but I, that's, that's my character. It never even occurred to me it might be. And when he said it might be Parkinson's or it might be a benign essential tremor, I was what he called it. I said, oh, I'm sure it'll be that. I'm not, I'm not going to have Parkinson's. So I didn't believe that I had Parkinson's, but the tremor when, when was going to... When did you accept that you had? When I had the DAT scan. What's a DAT scan, remind people? It's a scan of the brain which tells you if you've got Parkinson's. What is the reasoning? I don't understand. I don't know. Yeah. I was told it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I haven't got it, but well, I have definitely brain got it. brain didn't work. No, the, the scan wasn't definitive in any way. I, oh, really? I think really, it, no, I it, it, yeah, it is definitive. Yeah. I thought there's a thing that shows two things or two or three things bleeping yeah, in exactly. your head. Exactly. And you're supposed to have lots and lots of them. Yes. And we don't. And we don't. No, we don't. No, so I think by the in... time you know, isn't 80% of it gone? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, Gillian, mm. let's bring you in here because you're our most experienced person. I think Paul is actually our most experienced person because I had, I've been, I was diagnosed 10 years ago. Paul, 12. Is 12 right? years ago. I yeah, know. but um, Paul, I win, suppose. Sorry. So, my diagnosis was absolute crap. I mean, there's no other word for it. And that's being polite. But what did to, you notice? I first of all noticed. So, we have a business 
in Scotland. I had to sack somebody, and I was quite nervous about sacking them. And this uh, leg of mine just wouldn't, the right leg just wouldn't calm down. It was just completely out of control, up and down, up and down like that. And I thought, oh, my God, if she sees this, I tried to hide it. Nothing would hide it. And then, I, then she went, this person who was wrong for the job, and everything was fine for about another six months or something. And then there was another similar incident. So it was each time when I was real stressed, I noticed something. And then after a while, it started coming without the stress. And then I thought, I've got to go to a doctor. But I still somehow was pretending it was a trapped nerve. And when they said, you got Parker, he said, this guy, I actually went privately because I have Bupa. I just thought, I need proper time to discuss this if it is something more serious. And the guy gave me three minutes or something. He took the DAT scan and then the results from that were quite clear. But then he just said, walk across the room, and that was what decided him, actually. It was the walk with the arm not swinging at all. Yeah. And the, the arm not swinging, and then also drawing circles, do you remember? That was drawing circles. Mm. And then he said, right, you're somewhere on the Parkinsonian scale, I think he said. And I said, what's that mean? And he said, there's lots on the internet, bye. Oh, oh now, what I, I was told was exactly useless. the opposite. I was useless. told, I mean, don't look on the internet, because you'll be scared. But also the Pollyanna-ish thing that Nick, you talked about, happened to me as well because I was diagnosed by a friend who said that when I told him I had my, this very small writing and my arm didn't swing, he, he said that I might have Parkinson's and I should get it checked out. And it took five months before I actually got to see a neurologist. And what's strange, and it's odd that it, I hadn't realised how strange it was until now at this meeting, was that I didn't make any attempt to find out anything about Parkinson's in the, inter in the intervening no. months. No, nor did I. And I blanked it. Julie and I went to see the neurologist, and he basically prodded me from the front, and then he sort of tugged me from behind to see how I moved. And then he gave me, I think, five words to remember. Face velvet, church daisy red. Oh, yes. Those, and you still words. remember them? Face velvet, church well, daisy red. Well, I'll tell you later about why I still remember them. But anyway, there were these things. And then he said, yep, that's Parkinson's. And Julie said, what well, you can tell just from that. And he said, well, also your facial muscles are somewhat frozen. For example, you seem to be finding it quite hard to smile. <laughs> and I said, well, that could be because you've told me I've got Parkinson's. <laughs> And, and I remember thinking at that were very you, moment... Were you immediately thinking, this is great material as a comedy I writer? I was. I was thinking that, and I was thinking, I'm determined to find the funny side of this immediately. And it helped enormously, being able to put it in that sort of box. And he also told us, don't look up anything on the internet, because it'll just worry you. But at the same time, he didn't give me anything to find out any more about it. There were no leaflets or anything of that no, sort. I mean, he was a very nice man. He said, come back in a year's time. And in you did? And I did come back mm. in a year's time. By then, or maybe it took two years, but I joined this dancing group, ballet dancing group. And when we saw the neurologist again, he said, any development since last year? And Judy said, well, Paul started doing ballet with English National <laughs> Ballet. <laughs> and he said, oh, that's an interesting career change. Uh, which suggested he didn't actually know about the Parkinson's ballet, ballet class. Mm. And it strikes me that there is a disconnect between some neurologists and what's going on to help people. Absolutely. And everybody needs to be as informed. Because yeah, you are the man. You are the ballet man. The first time I met you, I knew about you because you're the guy that did the dance classes and you, you walked into a restaurant where a friend was introducing us and I thought, 
that's not my general idea of a natural ballet dancer. But, no, um, absolutely not. No, I'm dreadful at it. When did you first think something was wrong? I just kept falling over all the time. And every time I fell over, I thought, Jesus Christ. I haven't drunk that much. I haven't drunk that much, no. I hadn't. No. <laughs> As it happens. And I, I kept on falling over. And then I went to see this. After one of these fallings over, I, I, I was taken to casualty and patched up. And the chap who came in to see me said, I've been watching you on a university challenge, and I think you've got Parkinson's. God. Had you noticed what you were doing on university challenges? No, I hadn't noticed anything at all. You, you thought you were as good as ever. But Rory, you had a similar experience, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, I, I, I had... Um, well, I, I, I first knew that something was wrong when I was on holiday in Italy with my wife, and she kept saying, pick your feet up, man, because I was dragging my right foot. And then a few months later, I was live from the island of Jersey, which has great broadband, holding a fibre cable. And somebody noticed me and wrote to the BBC saying this fellow's hand was shaking violently. He should be checked out because this is a possible symptom of Parkinson's. And then I saw my GP, who professed to be completely ignorant, but said, I'll get you an appointment with a neurologist four months later. And in the between times... I did a story for the BBC about an attempt to use AI to detect Parkinson's. And I went along and they were filming a guy opening and closing his hand as fast as he could. And I thought, God, I've got it. I can't do that. So I was not surprised when I turned up in early January 2019 at St Mary's Paddington to be told by not my, the neurologist who I eventually saw, but her slightly more junior assistant, Yes, you've got symptoms of Parkinsonism, which I found a slightly cold way of saying it, but there we are. Mark, when did you think something was wrong? Well, I suppose there were separate things. I realised, I wouldn't have called them symptoms, but I realised something was going wrong with my body. Or at least I thought something was going wrong with Waitrose packaging, because I thought they were getting tougher and tougher to get into. <laughs> then I noticed, I'm lifting them now, I'm lifting my arms. When, I, when they lifted up, or they seemed to spontaneously lift up, and then I had to sort of think about getting them down, I just thought, it's a bit weird, I don't know what's going on there. But I only knew when I went to see an old friend who used to be a physiotherapist. We knew her in Brussels, hadn't seen her for a couple of years. And she said in the morning after looking at me, you've got the stony face, you've got... Frozen face. Yeah. Frozen face. Had difficulty getting, she saw me diff, having difficulty getting into a pit. Absolutely. Mm. That is so and she, she broke it very gently. She said it might be something wrong with your drugs that is producing these symptoms. But go to the doctor and tell her that you've got something or other, some neurological condition. Mm. And then my wife, told her, she'd had a word with my wife and she told me later she thinks it's Parkinson's. And I did then Google it. And I'm quite Pollyanna-ish and I'm quite against sort of diving into health issues. But I was sort of convinced it was because I kept on spotting things that I hadn't really thought, like constipation, mm. that were symptoms. And so I ended up persuading my GP and my consultant that I'd got Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. So it didn't come as a shock at all. It came as, a, in a way, a relief that I was... Yeah. You had right an answer. Yeah. I had an answer. And I've been walking slowly for years and years, which <coughs> I put down to my weight and general lack of fitness and exercise. Yeah. I was getting slower and slower, dragging further and further behind the family. Thinking, Come on, Dad. Now they're sympathetic. Well, so, I had, a, so, I had a, a physio help me too, actually. A great guy. I used to run and he treated me for various running injuries. And I came to him with this latest foot dragging thing. And he looked a bit kind of slightly embarrassed. And he just said, oh, see your GP. I knew that he knew. And you knew what it was? Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I also kind of knew because my dad had Parkinson's. Oh, well. Uh, Uh, And you had all the knowledge. Yeah. I mean, rather tragically, my father, who only got to knew when I was an adult, wrote me a letter a few months after I had been diagnosed saying he felt guilty not not to have told me about all the various symptoms and listed all the symptoms. But he was still alive. He was still alive. Yeah. He died that, that year. My sister, who I got to know when I was an adult, his daughter, told me that he'd cried and cried when he'd heard I'd got Parkinson's. I mean, for our family, it was very hard to take initially, going from sort of no diagnosis to suddenly such a strong diagnosis and one that we knew something about and therefore we knew it was going to be pretty dreadful the years ahead. But what did you think of that advice? Don't tell anybody. I mean, that's so... Awful, just awful advice. It couldn't have been worse advice, to be honest. I told everybody... Yes, well, I told everybody because I thought it was the only way of explaining what the hell was going on. When did you go public? I mean, as More in... as instantly. Right. How did you feel when you were told there, Jeremy? I felt like shit, as you can imagine. And were you left feeling like Somebody shit? Somebody says you've they... got Parkinson's. You don't know what it is. How much help did they, did they give you? Well, I think he explained bits and pieces that the messenger chemical didn't work properly. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. But that's the thing, you see, it's it's an assumption that you do know what it is. The nice guidelines as to what should happen when you are diagnosed with Parkinson's, it says here, in discussions, this is a note to neurologists, in discussions, aim to achieve a balance between providing honest, realistic information about the condition and promoting a feeling of optimism. (laughs) Now, that is a really tough... Yeah, and it's something we all try and aim at, even with the whole Googling thing. Do you Google it? You don't want to know too much. much. I like that so much. When I was a barrister, you have to give that bad advice. I think you're going to lose your case. However, I want you to feel optimistic. And not only that, but they have to diagnose (laughs) it, spot it, and tell us this and keep us optimistic. And and what's so difficult is that they know, that all the more sophisticated ones do, that it's a huge, unknowable spectrum of conditions. I was in a discussion between two neurologists, one of whom said Parkinson's is a useless diagnosis. We should stop doing it. Yes. Which Well, and also because they call it a disease, it's, it's more like a syndrome because it's so many different things. And the language that's used about it, because they call it a progressive illness. Now, my <laughs> idea of progress is something that's getting better and better, yes, not I think, a yes, bloody I think, disaster. Uh, I don't know, so, progressive rock is not necessarily going to get Paul, did you do a survey of the people in your... I've, I've done a little... Well, I asked people in my, my group in Oxford just thoughts and reactions to how they were told. And they've been lovely people and very good neurologists and everything. But it's a question of what people are told and how they're told. And, and some of them had come from different areas and different places when they were told some years ago. But one person said that her neurologist was looking out of the window when he told her. Hmm. and found it very difficult to find eye contact, which was a bit wild. Which is weird, because they must have done it dozens of times. It's but not... found it difficult to, to do, I suppose, each time. Others have had very good experiences. They've got to assess your personality. Because yeah. in two of the responses, one said, my neurologist was very direct with me, and I found this rather upsetting, mm. because they were so honest. And another person said, my neurologist was very direct with me, which I appreciated enormously. Yeah, yeah it must be that. really difficult. Um, but just the prognosis is going to be crap, isn't it? Well, it according, well, to, according well, to Paul, know. 
there's doubt about whether it affects your life expectancy or not. It may just be one of those damn things. You're going to get something. People don't get better from Parkinson's. Well, no. yes, except that our life in different ways might be better. Mm. And I think the, the one thing that they can do, that the neurologist should do, is tell you about the opportunities that you, you might experience. You might like be in a the, dance class with Paul Mayhew Archer. You might be in a dance class and it would be the worst experience in life. But you might join an exercise class. Yep. You might join a local group and meet other people. It, and just you might be drinking in Notting Hill in the afternoon. You, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you have the option of doing, doing these things or not. But at least if you're presenting the But you the have this good line about it's the best thing that ever happened to you because... Uh, because without uh, it, you wouldn't have met the Archbishop of Canterbury. Well, I wouldn't have met the Archbishop of Canterbury, and it's <laughs> well, uh, a mixed blessing. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's lovely. It's just a mess. And, uh, Which one did you meet? I met the recent one, well, the we. first one. Yeah, I've spoken about the effect that Parkinson's. I got had to go to the me. palace quite soon after um, I was diagnosed and meet that chef, Fergus Henderson. Interview that the quiz show guy, Paul Sinha. It's been fantastic. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's got me work. Yes, I, I've spoken at Lambeth Palace at services and things like that. And it's, it's widened my horizons. I lost my faith when I was 20, when my mum died of cancer. And this has got me thinking again. And I'm not saying I've converted and become deeply Christian person, but I've, I've started to realise that things are not as simple as I had thought. You know, when my mother died, I thought this was all entirely bad and it was dreadful that she'd hung on for so long with her cancer. And now I've realised, of course, that the reason she hung on for so long with her cancer was to find out about me. And I feel the same way about my grandchildren now. So it's, it's made me see life and death and the whole gamut of range of things in a different, more holistic way. And uh, that is, it's transformed my, my life. Well, in that Jeremy, sense. Jeremy, Jeremy, you get I the think, Tigger I, Award there. You Jeremy, I think it's award. time for you to bring us down. I can see can nothing I, positive about it at all. Can I just interject that I remember sitting, and you won't remember this, in a hotel bar in Belfast, way in the small hours, about 20, 30 years ago, and your gloomy outlook on life. Yeah, go on. <laughs> go on. Well, I mean, I just wonder whether... The, it was well-merited, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was. But, I mean, does that just inform the way you think now? It hasn't changed the way you think. No, nothing has changed the way I think. So you're just no. gloomy. I am a gloomy bugger, I agree. And you say... I, I, I accept that. Tell me, because you're such a public figure and you decided to go public about it, did you care what people said? Did, you know, when no, people's... I didn't. Which is, is kind of positive. So if people... I think that's the thing to do, is not to worry about what other people think, because they will come to their own conclusions, regardless of whether you, you encourage them or not. But you realise they'd be knocking on your door if you didn't go public? It just comes a point. And when yeah. you did the documentary, which was quite gloomy, I mean, what I loved about it was that you then had all those people that you met, like Sharon Osborne, who were determined. They to were great fans. They fun. were fantastic. And it was... The pathologist. Funny. But some people with Parkinson's would come away and have said to me, you know, they came away feeling rather depressed. And they didn't want to feel depressed about it. Yeah, um, they chose to watch it. They did. I found it actually quite uplifting because you're yeah, just such did, a cussed yeah. old bugger. That, that's quite entertaining. Would you have, Jeremy, would you have liked to have known sooner or later or not at all? I don't think it would have been obvious earlier. There's this thing I was saying earlier. Uh, yeah, we don't know when we first got the symptoms. Yeah. 
I suppose it could have been bad nights, like mm. as you yourself mm. talk about. Yeah, I don't, but we, we'll talk about sleep in a later episode. But I sometimes one ask myself, would life have been easier if I hadn't had this diagnosis and I just soldiered on and ignored it? But I actually think I was going downhill so quickly that I needed the medication. Yes. I mean, you say the medication doesn't work, but it definitely works it for definitely me. It definitely helps Really me. works for me. And interestingly, yeah. for some people, they diagnose it when it's too expensive to do the scan. I mean, ridiculous way of diagnosing it, but they give people the medication, and if you get a bit better, they say, right, you've got Parkinson's. Yeah, that's mm. what my consultant yeah, said. Sort of yeah, and then they take it away again. Hoc, yeah. Exactly, and yeah. then they take it away because they say you're they not They take it away? Enough. Yes. Because it's just no. a way of diagnosing that happens. Using the, me using yeah. the medication really? as a form of diagnosis. Exactly, yeah. a cheap form of diagnosis, which is a bit mm. cheeky, I think. Yeah, but that's yeah. crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Yeah, that, a friend of mine. Yeah, it's getting better, better so we won't, right. we'll stop it now. Yeah. You've got it. We're going to talk about medication, but Jeremy, do you genuinely believe that the medication does not make much impact on you? I genuinely do believe that, although my partner says differently. She mm. says... She can tell when I'm really, really not full of medicine. Yes, you're, mar I mean, you're marginally more or less grumpy. I'm less grumpy. With the medication or without it? I'm less grumpy with the medication. Right. I went to Spurs against Man City yesterday, and um, I forgot to take my medication with me, my six o'clock medication, and I was really shaking about when I got back at mm. quarter to eight. It was very interesting. I, yeah. I hadn't forgotten to take, take it for because I got it on my watch. I hadn't forgotten to take it for a long time. And I was really, really shaking badly by the time I got back. My wife is the only one who really sees the, the, the bad side of the Parkinson's, I suppose, if I'm honest. And she's the one who talks about my completely obsessive behaviour. Mm. I sort of just try and write stuff about Parkinson's. I think Parkinson's it is very tough on people. It's who, very who tough on them. Yeah. yeah, it is. Well, we're going to talk about the nearest and dearest. Mm. I remember my eldest child being absolutely distraught when he heard the news. Did he, he know what it meant? Well, he's an intelligent person. and he. No, but I mean, it's he, not a question he, of intelligence. He, well, he, he made his of... own researches. Right. But then we come back to the thing that the researches are so inconclusive because it is such a, an enormously wide... Yeah. wide vast subject that you can choose any mm. any conclusion about what it means that you want exactly. and, and he's rather less Pollyannish than me put it this way and he was able to identify very negative aspects to it very easily luckily mm. for me my son very thoughtfully and kindly has already held my funeral service <laughs> <laughs> so that I can actually hear people saying lovely things about me. Mm. He did it as, as my birthday party mm. and invited very old friends of mine. <laughs> so I've had lovely eulogies. Yeah, I think I would find that rather depressing. No, no, it was very funny. How, how did your family, Mark, react well, to Well, they the were, um, children were quite relieved in some ways. I think they were upset, but they said, just saw you getting old and doddery. Which I, am, <laughs> I am getting old and doddery, but there's a reason be old, beyond mm. old age. So I think, as I say, I've been trailing behind. But it is a problem, that, isn't it? That you don't know what are the natural consequences of getting old. No, no, that's and, and what right. is the Parkinson's? Yeah, yeah. We have to know that we, it's sort of relatively worse, don't we? Yes. Yeah, and I remember saying it's to the worse consultant, than it "Would be if you, if, you, if I didn't have this condition." Yes. When I when I was um, talking to the consultant and almost trying to persuade her that I had got it, I was saying, "For instance, sometimes I reach out in the dark for a light switch and I hit the wrong place." She said, "No, that's just normal. Yeah. Nothing to do with Parkinson's." Yes. And there's lots of things like that. I wonder whether it's Parkinson's. No, it isn't. It's just normal behaviour. You like I somehow went public. By mistake, in my case. Had it, had but it wasn't it by mistake. But I mean, I, I was asked on. Um, 
On a podcast. On a, I'm trying to think. Roger Bolton's BBC Watch podcast. And I said to Kate Dixon, the producer, I'm going to have to mention, because my voice is funny, I'm going to have to mention the Parkinson's. She said, oh, yes, I could. Afterwards, thought a light bulb was lighting up in her mind. I said, oh, that's fine. So, I, you know, I expected just to say Mark's got Parkinson's. He's a bit weird, but he's going to slag off the BBC for us now. And instead, they focused on that. And of course, or not of course, but it did get picked up by loads of people. We both got asked on the Today Programme. We were both on the Today Programme together. I had this interesting experience where I told friends at work, and then I was again live on TV on the day that 5G launched in Britain. How exciting is that? I was going on to do some more filming, and my producer said to me, as we got on a train to Birmingham, have you ever thought of going public, really public? And I said, why? And she said, well, your hand was all over the shop. (laughs) <laughs> on the television this morning it was really noticeable so I said fine and I put out a tweet and by the time I got off the train my phone was was red hot I mean I was really surprised I mean I thought you know I'm not over modest but I'm not Jeremy I didn't think there'd be sort of darting I think it came at the same time as Jeremy's come on I'm over modest is that what you mean but no 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 I'm not I, I you but, know knew that your news we, would we, go would be lead it or you know well we've you made know, it we've made jokes you, about you know the spectrum of being from Eeyore to Tigger, but there are some people who are completely crushed by the diagnosis, yeah. aren't yeah. And who become yes. completely reclusive. No, someone mm. totally my, reclusive. My poll talked about it being like a kick in the stomach and being left by the, the neurologist, you know, just feeling like that and having no, no support at all. It is interesting. I've heard other instances of becoming reclusive as a consequence of this. But have any of you joined a local group? I've been... Here's a slightly embarrassing thing. I like slightly... Parkinson's nurses. They don't really exist. Yeah, well, no, not <laughs> that they don't exist, but do. I, I, I just feel like I don't want to be with all those old people who've got Parkinson's. And now I look around this table and here I am with all these yes, old people, exactly. bar one, <laughs> who've got Parkinson's. Apart from her. But so, my, my experience was I, I emailed gonna... Parkinson's UK saying, oh, they're local groups. And I got an email address, sent it off. Two weeks later, somebody came back saying, sorry, we've been on holiday, but... We don't really exist anymore. Oh, and they didn't point you in the direction of another local group nearby. I don't think there is one. Where is it? <laughs> but what, what, there what are 365 is, of them all this over syndrome the syndrome of denial, why do so many people do it when it's so contrary to their own interest, do you think? What do you mean? This st- syndrome of denial and reclusion, which this, is so this, common. But, but it's a long-term hmm. phenomenon for all sorts of conditions. It's, it's only relatively recently that people have let it all hang out about true. about mm. yeah, any true. kind of illness. Mm. I mean, yeah. my mother's generation, Never stiff, upper lip, stiff upper lip, you, you didn't talk about that sort of stuff, and suddenly somebody was dead, mm. and that's the first you knew of it. A couple of weeks ago, when I was, I was going to Billericay to do my show, and um, I've developed uh, freezing things, which means that my legs suddenly forget how to work. Yeah, we've seen it. And I get stuck we, on escalators as well. We've seen you freeze. It, it's oh, quite a, impressive. It, it is, is it's, quite, it's quite, impressive. quite a sight, I must say. And, uh, and so I was holding people up on the escalator and in Paddington Station. And people were wonderfully kind. You know, they would come people up are. and well, give me their seat, their seat on the tube and... One man carried my case right down the escalator, and well, I never saw it again. But anyway, but people are really kind. But I was getting in people's way, and I remember thinking to myself, I ought to stop doing this now and just go home. And then I thought, no, it's important we don't. It's important we keep yeah. going out into society Absolutely. and showing that that we're here. And it doesn't but make so any difference whether he's five minutes earlier or later, does it? No, but. 
I don't know. It won't be five. I mean, Except the sort running. of people we were before, I'm interested to know, this is a terrible self-confession, but I have become the person that used to really drive me mad when I was younger. <laughs> by being you know, slow. By being super slow. You know, if there was an old lady standing there who couldn't quite get the coins out of her handbag to pay for whatever oh, God, it was, you know, it would drive me people. mad. There's bloody people, you know. I have, mm. You know, I'm that person now, holding yeah. everyone up. And, you know, yes, yes. I don't know how nice people really are in those situations. That's only polite in England anyway, but, you know. And I'd be the one tooting the horn going. I think they're pretty, they're, people yeah. are pretty good. I went to the rugby two days ago mm. and I fell over coming out Oh, and a couple of times people picked me up if you see a Jeremy Paxman falling over there well, somebody falling surely over the rugby is laughed put it down in your observer's book of celebrities yes. falling over <laughs> I do sometimes look at people on the tube sitting down and, and think shall I say excuse me I've got Parkinson's get up but I haven't so far. Haven't you? Very you bad should, you I've should. never had to ask. I they, looked at or... a girl on the tube and I thought, God, she's nice. Mm. Yeah, she and the nice. next thing I knew, she said, would you like to sit down? Yeah. It's a bit depressing, that, <laughs> isn't it? It's very depressing. Yeah. Common enough phenomenon, that is. At a later episode, a person who I'd like to invite is the chairperson of the all-party parliamentary group on Parkinson's. Don't you think that who is this person? Why? But to find out what national strategies are there for dealing with the various things. Who is this about. person? She's called Mary Glyndon. Never heard of her. A few Are they doing years, anything? A few do years it? ago, I was invited to a a thing at, at 10 Downing Street when, uh, what's her name, was Prime Minister? Liz Truss? No, Blair? No, the, 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 the woman before Liz Truss. Theresa May. Theresa May. Theresa May. This is awful. <laughs> Did you know, by the way, they've abandoned asking who the Prime Minister is as one of the sort of neurological questions? <laughs> <laughs> Because it changes so often. Anyway, Theresa May was the hostess, and I was there with Billy Connolly, and we were there presenting ourselves as Parkinson's UK and all that. And we were told that there was going to be money available for Parkinson's, but I hadn't seen any. I mean, I'm very lucky in the Oxford area. We've got a splendid group, but of course it depends upon certain individuals who are very, very determined and pushy and sort of full of energy. And of course we lose our energy as we get... As the Parkinson's takes its hold, and then you've mm. got to make sure and you've got. And there's this tremendous to... apathy as well. So you know, and I think the people is... are not going out. It's part of that, rather than any sort of government thing. No government person's going to knock well, on your talk, door and talking go. Talking of that, me, would you like I to... was talking to a neurologist, and he said um, how unusual it was for people with Parkinson's to kill themselves. And I said, I didn't know that. Why is that? And he said, Well, people with Parkinson's, they have. They can't do can't, it. Can't be bothered. They, they, <laughs> they, they, they get very depressed, but basically apathy is one of the other symptoms. So as you say, they just can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Movers and Shakers with me, Rory Kathleen-Jones, and my friends Gillian Lacey-Solomar, Mark Mardell, Paul Mayhew-Archer, Nicholas Mostyn and Jeremy Paxman. The show is produced by Nick Hilton for Podo. Our theme music is by Alex Stobbs and cover artwork by Till Lucat. Thanks again to Boardwave for their support. Please subscribe to get new episodes straight into your podcast app and do rate and review if you've enjoyed the show. We're also on Twitter at Movers and Six. That's Movers and the number six. So please share the show there and email any thoughts or questions to feedback at moversandshakerspodcast.com. See you next week.